This message was shared from the pulpit at Good News Baptist Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. For more information, visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org. We can begin this morning by turning in the Bible to Matthew chapter 28. We'll get to it eventually. A very familiar passage of Scripture. And it's uh, kind of interesting that our, our, our lesson in some ways dovetails somewhat with our pastor's message this morning in the Ephesus in the worship service on um, the Taliban and Afghanistan, Muslims and, and foreigners of that, uh, of that nature. But anyway, we're talking today about taking the gospel around the world from here, um, from here at home. In, uh, in our previous, one of our previous lessons, <clears throat> in fact, the, the several of our previous lessons in this series on missions, we've been talking about the theology of missions, basically. I want to get a little more practical today and talk about the practical side of how, mi- how mi- missionary ministry works. And uh, we're looking at foreign missions today and how we can take the gospel fulfillment of the Great Commission by working right here at home. Uh, sometimes we don't realize we have a mi- foreign mission field right here that we can minister to. Mm-hmm. And especially in this area, but, um, but it's becoming a reality in most areas of the country today where there are a lot of nationals, a lot of foreign nationals, and um, uh, inter- inter- internationals that we can minister to. And the sad thing of it is that we kind of shear away from them somewhat, uh, mainly because we don't know how to communicate with them. Our culture is much different. And they feel basically the same way. And in fact, and this is going to be mentioned later on in the lesson this morning, in fact, when, when foreigners come here, they normally try to find a group of their own culture to fellowship with. And, um, and we let them do that. Um, and I guess it's natural that we would do that, but sometimes we have to do the unnatural thing in order to reach them. And that's what our lesson is all about today. Most of the missionaries that we know and support carry the gospel across cultural lines to evangelize, and you can change that in your notes, because this is in your notes, to evangelize, Um, the people that they have gone to. But there there really is a way that we, right here at home, can personally be involved in cross-culture evangelism. Father, I pray that you will teach us something today that will help us in this respect we ask in Christ's name. Amen. Why get involved? That's the first point. Why get involved? Why should we involve ourselves in a cross-cultural outreach? I think the answer to that is pretty obvious, but there are two basically, there are two basic, I think, scriptural reasons, and one of them is letter A, because of God's great commission. If you have your Bibles open there to Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20, is generally stated the Great Commission, what we call the Great Commission. It's found in other places in the Bible as well. Also, it's found uh, in, uh, 
uh, the Gospel of Mark. Yes, sir. Which one do you have? I thought we were using the one we've been using for the last couple of weeks. Oh, I know I told you that, but I want to move on. Do ever, all of you, does anyone have today's handout? I'm sorry. And I intended to mention that. We spent two weeks on that lesson, and I know there's some other important things there, but the truth is, you have in your handout, the handout that you have, I know you don't have the, I know you don't have the blanks filled in. And if you'd like to have the blanks filled in, if you'll let me know, I'll send you the full manuscript. I will. And uh, you can, and you can do it that way. So, so let me know. But uh, we have a different lesson for today. <laughs> I'm glad you. Um, my passing out team, the guys that passed out, <laughs> did the right thing because they were going on what I said last week. I'm sorry? I said, Yeah, well, it was only two weeks ago. It was only one week ago. If it was two weeks ago, I would have forgotten it. Yeah. And by the way, <clears throat> I meant to also do this. Uh, I have cognitive problems as well, you know. Um, I lost my list of birthdays and anniversaries for the month. How many of you, while they're, do, while they're passing out, <laughs> how many of you had a birthday last week? Anybody have a birthday last week? Yeah. Who else? <laughs> Merry Christmas back there had one. <laughs> so did Clarence. How many had an anniversary last week? Mary Lynn and her husband is involved in that as well. Dickie, all right. How many have a birthday this week? Wade Powell. Wade, never mind. <laughs> Anybody have an anniversary this week? All right, now that the guys have sufficiently passed out, happy birthday. Thank you. And happy anniversary. All right, let's move on. Uh, the hour is already half gone, so I gotta move on, okay? Okay, for those of you who missed it, well, it's on the screen, but the first point, the first blank to fill in is involved. Why get involved? We get involved, letter A, because of God's great commission. And uh, that's a good reason. Matthew chapter 28, beginning at verse 18, says, Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and on earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and Son and of the Holy, Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even unto the end of the world. So the Great Commission gives us a general instruction, and these instructions come from Jesus himself. And he's instructed us to go and make disciples of all nations. And so our calling is to go out and to engage all nations with the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
And uh, we're, we're to tell them that Jesus, about Jesus, and, and we're to make disciples for him. And, uh, and he gave us a plan for doing that. It's found in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. It says, and ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. You shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and, um, and into all Judea and, and Samaria and then unto the othermost part of the earth. So God gave us a plan for carrying out his great commission. Isn't that a wonderful thing? But do you realize how God, how to make sure that was fulfilled? All the believers in, in uh, Paul's day when this was written, <clears throat> well, it was Paul's day, but he wasn't yet active for the Lord at this point. But, but uh, <clears throat> in the early church, the first century church, and, um, and into the second century, but the first century church, all the believers, basically all the believers were right there in Jerusalem. Remember on the day of Pentecost, Peter preached and over 3,000 souls were won to Christ. But that was all there in Jerusalem. Now, there were people that got saved on that day from all other places uh, of the world at that time, the inhabited world at that time. They had come to Jerusalem. They were all Jews. They had come to Jerusalem to, to observe the Feast of Passover and, um, <clears throat> or Feast of Pentecost. And then... Um, and then many of those scattered and went back home, probably taking the gospel with them. But basically, Christianity was centralized in Jerusalem. And, uh, and the church had been given orders to spread out. Start in Judea, Jerusalem, uh, spread out to Judea and Samaria and then to the uttermost part of the earth. Well, those Christians were satisfied to stay in their homeland. And, and we understand that. But the truth is that the, all of the apostles were centralized in Jerusalem as well. Some Bible teachers have, have um, estimated that there were probably about 20,000 plus Christians in that church in Jerusalem, in the Jerusalem church. That's a good sized church. And uh, it took a plurality of pastors there to minister to all those people. That's the reason why all the apostles were there. But God said, I don't want you all there. And so what did he do? Well, beginning in Acts chapter 8, we see they brought great persecution upon that church. Why? Because he hated the Christians? No, because he had a plan and he was fulfilling it. And you know, sometimes God does things that are a little uncomfortable for us to keep his plan moving. Sometimes that's the reason he stirs our nest, is to keep his plan at work. And so the Bible tells us that the believers were scattered while the apostles still remained there. Later they began to scatter as well. But, uh, but the Christians scattered and guess what they did? When they went into Judea and Samaria and under the uttermost parts of the world, they took the gospel with them. And that's how God began to fulfill his plan of getting the gospel out to all nations of the world. And uh, it was uncomfortable for the Christians to do that. Persecution is never pleasant. 
pastor mentioned in his message this morning that, that we're seeing persecution in America. But I believe God's going to use that. You know what? I hate to say this, but I believe we need some persecution. You don't realize that the church has always flourished under persecution? When we get, when we get at ease in Zion, God says, okay, folks, time to, time to put some briars in the nest. And I believe that's what he's doing in America today. Frankly, I believe what's happening in America today is, is God setting the stage for the appearance of the Antichrist. And because what's happening in America today is a worldwide movement. It's not just localized. And uh, I, I, really, I really believe the second coming of Christ is very near. And uh, the Antichrist will be, will be brought on the scene. Of course, we won't be here when that happens because the rapture is going to take us out of here. If you're a believer, if you know Christ, uh, we'll go in the rapture. But anyway, that was the progression, and that's how God did it. Now, I made a statement in a paper I wrote, and uh, Tavis Long, as he edited these notes and wrote them, he, he referred to that paper I wrote a number of years ago, actually. But, but Coca-Cola is known over, all over the world. You can go anywhere in the world and buy a Coca-Cola. How did that happen? If you were to go to their, I, 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 I'm guessing that that motto is still posted somewhere with Coca-Cola, but they used to have a motto and probably still do, I don't know. But that motto was, was this, think globally, act locally. And that's what Coke did. They thought globally. Uh, that's the reason why you can buy a Coke anywhere in the world. But you know what? That same thing applies to the Great Commission, to believers today, and to us. As Christians, when we look at the Great Commission, we have to think globally because that's what the Great Commission invites us to do, and then act locally. There's not any missionary on the field today that's an effective missionary uh, that's gone out from America, sent out by churches in America. That's not an effective missionary because they were effective, first of all, in their home territory, Jerusalem. If there's a missionary that wants to go to Japan or to China or to Korea or any other place in the world, check what he's doing at home before you send him out. You know, if, uh, if he's not winning souls and getting the gospel out at home, he's not going to do that on the foreign field when he gets there. Are you hearing me? And I think that's one of the first questions that needs to be asked. Any missionary is being vetted for a church to, to, uh, to sponsor or to send out. What are you doing at home? Are you faithful in visitation at home? Are you, are you trying to win people to Christ? You know, we're not soul winners anyway. We're witnesses. The Bible never refers to us as soul winners. It does say he that winneth souls is wise. But we're not the soul winners. The Holy Spirit is the soul winner. But we are to be witnesses to Christ. And God's responsible for, for the fruit that we bear. But if we're faithful in witnessing for Christ... We are going to bear some fruit. I had the privilege, uh, was it last Sunday? 
of winning a young man to the Lord out here in the foyer of our church after the service was over. There were three young men that dropped by the church. They were, they were seeking something. And uh, I had the privilege of witnessing to them, uh, all three of them. One of them professed to be saved, and I, I believe he was, but the other two readily admitted they didn't know Christ. And I had the privilege of leading one of them uh, to the Lord. Uh, the other one heard the gospel, but he didn't respond in a favorable way. But anyway, um, we, have, we are to have a global vision, but the truth is we have an opportunity right here at home to fulfill the Great Commission. And there's another reason why, it's, why we should get involved, and that's letter B, because of God's great love. In Luke chapter 10, and I'm not going to read this story, but I'll just refer to it. But in Luke chapter 10, we find there the account of the, of the Good Samaritan. You're, you're familiar with that story. There was a Samaritan, there was a, a, a Jew that was traveling uh, to Jericho and fell among thieves, and you know the story. A Levite came by and said, huh, I don't want anything to do with you, passed on the other side. And, uh, and then a priest did the same thing. And then a Samaritan who hated the Jews came along, and you know how he ministered to him. Poured in oil and wine, put him on his own beast of burden, and took him to the inn and said, take care of him, and I'll pay the bill when I come back. Take care of him. And, and, he was, and, and all that is in response to a question that a lawyer asked Jesus. And uh, the lawyer was a scribe, scribe of the law. Most of them were Pharisees. But he said, what, uh, Lord, um, he said, uh, uh, Jesus explained to him what it meant to love the Lord with all thy heart and soul, uh, with all thy heart and soul and all thy strength and all thy mind. And he said, thy neighbor, who the, the lawyer said, Lord, who is my neighbor? As Jesus was giving this uh, parable of the Good Samaritan. And he says, who is my neighbor? And um, after telling that story, Jesus said unto him, uh, Which now of these three thinkest thou was neighbor unto him that fell among thieves? And of course, it was the Samaritan. The Samaritan who hated the Jews and yet ministered to him. I'm really glad for the emphasis of the service this morning. And I must be honest with you. Uh, I've had the perception that all Muslims are are wicked people. But I'm learning that they're not. There are some Muslims who, who are very kind and wonderful people. But see, all we hear about is the Taliban and, and the, what's that other group? Al-Qaeda, yeah. And, and, uh, and, and of course, well, uh, uh, Osama bin Laden and all those guys. You know, that's all we know about Muslim people. But there are some Muslim people that are decent people. They're lost. They need Christ. They are, um, you know, they're in the wrong, they have the wrong religion. And what they need to do is get rid of their religion and have a relationship with Jesus Christ. But you know, there are a lot of them around here. And uh, not only Muslims, but, but other uh, groups as well. And God made them. Pastor said this in his message this morning, that they are creations of God. God created them. 
And you know, when, when God looked at his creation, he says, it's very good. It's very good. And so there must be some good there that needs to be brought to the surface. And God can use us to do that. We have the truth. That's the only thing we had to present to them anyway is the truth. We have the truth. We have the gospel. And we can present the gospel to them. And you'll find that some of them are really interested in hearing what you have to say. And, and we'll get into that here uh, in a little bit. I may have to make two, two, two lessons out of, out of this one. And I will do that. In fact, it's designed to do that anyway. But next week, you know, we, we won't have Sunday school next week. But anyway, um, are we so occupied with everything that we fail to see the spiritual and the physical needs of some of these are around us? What about the many internationals living in our community? There are countless citizens from foreign countries right here in the Tidewater area. They have spiritual needs. They have a need for Christ. They have a need to be saved and uh, to save them from their sins. They have practical needs related to being transplanted into a foreign, strange context. Think about it for a while. What about if you, uh, for some reason, maybe your job, maybe education, or, or for some other reason, you, were, you, were, uh, you had to go to a Muslim company, a country and live for a while. How would you feel there? Well, you know, just put yourself in their, their place here. Uh, how they would feel here among us. Put yourself in their context. How would you feel there among them? It's, we have a mutual situation, don't we? And, uh, and so um, let's not be too busy to confront them with the gospel. Now, the truth is that we're afraid of cult, uh, cross-cultural boundaries to befriend, befriend them and tell them about Jesus. And, and that's really the problem. You know, we, we have to cross cultures in order to, in order to, to befriend them. We have many opportunities right here in our homeland to be involved in an evangelistic cross-culture ministry. Some of these things uh, that are written here are tongue-tied, uh, tongue twisters for me. <laughs> cross-culture. Peter picked a, pep, a pack of pickled peppers. <laughs> Say that ten times real fast. Amen. No, don't, please. <laughs> okay. We have to ask ourselves, if we have this opportunity before us and we don't take advantage of it, can we expect ourselves to, to do cross-culture ministry in a foreign land? And we've already addressed that issue, no. So Roman number two, what are the possibilities? What are the possibilities? We have a lot of them. Of the many internationals that are here in our Tidewater area, some of them are going to remain here indefinitely, here in the United States. But some of them are going to go back home. They're here for different reasons. For, we have immigration workers. Um, some may be here for the long haul. They may be here to earn some money, good money, send back home for, uh, for their own families. 
But most of these people, uh, you will find them. You can find them in our industry jobs, service industries, like in the nurseries. Uh, I remember when we were getting our Spanish ministry started. The Tobins went out to the Bennett's Creek Nursery out in that, and there were all Mexicans out there speaking Spanish. And they got a number of them to come. Um, they, may, they work on farms. Uh, farms are few and far between here in our area. But they work on farms. A lot of them work construction. When we, <clears throat> when we built our fellowship hall, the guys that put the sheetrock on the walls in that fellowship hall, they, they too were Mexican. And they were out there blah, 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 blah to each other. You know, and I, didn't, I didn't understand a word they were saying. But they were doing a good job putting the sheetrock up. And, and so we, we find them in different places. Uh, there are international students. Many will return to their home, to their home countries after they complete a degree from one of our universities here. And uh, that degree may advance them. It'll advance them in their home country. And then there are foreign representatives present. These are all, these are usually embassy workers or employees of foreign companies that are here in our area. Uh, they may be here for a time. And, uh, and then, they're, uh, then they're often po positioned to have some role in their foreign governments when they go back to their countries. Did you know that we have a NATO, Allied Command Transformation, right here in Norfolk? That means that there's a lot of foreigner, uh, foreign military persons in our area. Are we reaching out to them? Uh, Brother Callahan, are we reaching out to them? You don't know yet. <laughs> yeah, and uh, Brother um, Cognitive Problem, our staff member, Radisey, Pastor Radisey, you know. Um, we have to check with him on that. But what an opportunity. What an opportunity uh, to, to get involved here. Uh, these, are, uh, these are people that we can reach for the gospel. But think about the possibilities of getting to know some of these people. Think about what it would look like for us to know, uh, for, for us to show them the love of Christ and, uh, and open in, opening, their, opening their, uh, their lives by bringing them into our homes. Did you ever think about inviting a Muslim in your home? Oh. They carry a knife. I'm afraid of them. There are some like that. But you know there's some of us like that too. But there are others that would take, a, that would take an opportunity to get into an American's home just to see how an American lives. They want to see what other cultures are like. And we could give them that opportunity. Invite them into your home. Uh, bring, uh, invite some of the church members over uh, uh, to meet them and, and get them and get acquainted, you know. Open yourself to an opportunity to give them the gospel. Uh, they're a part of the Great Commission. They're a part of, uh, that's, a reason for, that's a reason for us to express God's great love to them. 
they need us to have that kind of an outreach to them, you see. Okay. Did you know that most internationals that come to America never see inside of an American home? Their families at home often assume that they'll be able to, uh, they'll, they'll be able to get into one of our homes. Uh, they, they, uh, uh, and, and then when they're returning, their, their friends will be curious and say, what's it like in your American home, in your American friend's home? Well, I don't know. I was never in one. You know? Um, I, think about the I think about the perception that most internationals have of Christianity. You know the perceptions that we have of say like the Muslim, the Muslim uh, religion, the Muslim life. Think of that perception for a moment. But think of the perception that they have of Christianity. Say, reverse it a little bit. How about your Muslim friend in Afghanistan, from Afghanistan? What does he think about Jesus Christ? Well, he hasn't heard the right thing about Jesus Christ, that's for sure. He's most likely been taught that most Westerners are Christians and they're just as immoral as what they see from Hollywood. That's the perception that they have of us. You know, Hollywood doesn't have a good perception of Christians. Did you know that? Has that ever occurred to you? Has that, have you ever observed that? I mean, if there's a... If there's a preacher depicted in, depicted in a TV movie or a Hollywood movie, one and the same, I guess, uh, he's usually a jerk that's messed up in some immoral situation, some, some kind of a nut cake, you know, uh, certainly a wimp. And, uh, and that's the perception they have of us. Well, let's give them a good perception. Let's let them see a little bit of an American's Christian home and how it works and how we love each other and, and how our family is united and, and, and how, uh, let, them let them get a different perception of us. It may help us to get the gospel to them. If they say, you know, these folks aren't like I've been taught. And you know what? The truth is that would help us to understand that those folks, some of those folks, aren't like what we've been taught either. So think about that for a little while. Uh, the possibilities are uh, basic, especially in our area, are very unlimited. Do you realize that if we win, if we were to win uh, some uh, national, international, personality, some foreign student, for example, that's here to go to college, get a degree. If we were to befriend somebody like that, bring them into our home, get them acquainted with our culture and, and uh, the gospel, and they got saved, and they went back to their country. You know, usually foreign students, when they go back to their country, they're important in their homeland. Some of them become government officials. Do you realize that would, what that would do to that government and the relationship of that government to our government and to our people? If we won some of them to Christ and sent them back to be good citizens of their country, 
to relate to our country in a, in a different type of, of uh, culture, or, or different, to relate to a different type of culture with a different perception? Well, I'm probably talking about some realistic things here that are too realistic for us, but the truth is. Number three, Roman numeral number three. What opportunities do we have with those who are here? We talked about why we should be involved in reaching uh, the world with the gospel from our Jerusalem, right here in Chesapeake. But let's think for a little while about different opportunities that the Lord has given us to reach the nations from here. There's a question. Try to recall your past week. How many international countries and languages did you come in contact with last week? Well, you may not know the answer to that question because uh, you didn't actually, actually talk to everybody that you came in contact with to find out. Some of, some of them uh, look like us, some of them don't look like us. Um, but, uh, but, but think about how many different cultures or languages you may have come in contact with this past week. Probably more than you realize. Foreign workers. There, there are 10 uh, consulars, offices uh, represented at our, at our port of Virginia. Uh, international students. Old Dominion University itself has 28 international organizations represented on its campus. And uh, that, that's not very far from us. What about other colleges and other universities in the Hampton Roads area? Uh, gen the general population, where we shop, where we get our hair cuts. Uh, I used to have a Korean lady that cut my hair. She was a Christian. In fact, she knew Sukio real well. And uh, uh, she doesn't cut my hair anymore, uh, but, uh, but she was a very fine person, you know. Um, uh, where we get our cars fixed. Uh, we, we will find cross-cultural people working and shopping in every place we go around here. How about our neighbors, our neighborhood? Um, there are large concentrations of internationals, particularly uh, in, exist, uh, in existing, particularly here in Hampton Road, in Chesapeake, Suffolk, Norfolk, Virginia Beach, you name it. There are settlements of different cross-cultural people in these areas that we can come in contact with and, and uh, on purpose befriend them and uh, make them a part of our, of our friend area. Uh, just because they're not Christians, they don't, uh, that doesn't mean we can't befriend them, you see. Because the intent, of course, is not just becoming friends with them, but, but becoming family members, spiritual family members with them, bringing them into the family of God. And we're going to talk a little bit about that in just, well, probably in two weeks from today. But how do we get started? Now, this is going to take... It's going to take a little while, so I won't get through this all the way, but, but we'll come back to it in a couple of weeks. How do we get started in doing this? How can we be a part of fulfilling the Great Commission right here 
in Chesapeake or Portsmouth, which is, or Suffolk. I mean, all, all three border lines are close by. <laughs> and some of you are from all three of these places and others. But how do we get started? Um, in the, it's evident that, uh, that we have a lot of opportunities to meet internationals right here in this area. We're surrounded by them. But how do we start building relationships with them? That's a good question. How do we penetrate those cultural barriers and bring the gospel to those people to the glory of God? Well, let's get down to basics. Let's talk about the basics because that's where we have to start, at the basics. You probably have some very simple conversations asking people where they're from and what language they speak and so forth. You probably have had some of those conversations with different ones. But beginning a conversation with an international, it's not nearly as hard as you might think it, as you might think it is initially. And, uh, and you can initiate conversations like that. Think, think about some ways that you can ask them some questions about their home country. They want to talk about their home country. They'd like to talk, they'd like to talk with you about their culture. Ask them about it. Don't be, don't be shy. Uh, tell, ask, say, Tell me a little bit about your religion. You might learn something, really. But it might open the door for you to tell them a little bit about your, we call it religion, but your relationship with Christ, you see. And, uh, and, and a lot of those people would like to hear that. As a matter of fact, some people want to hear that. But we have to initiate those conversations, create some way to get them talking. Um, and so here's some thoughts that you might, might engage them with. So letter A, consider going places where, and I didn't word, this is not worded as clearly as it should be, but let me read it like it is and then I'll read it like it should be. Consider going places where there are internationals as a regular routine. Here's the way it should be read, it should be written. Consider going places as a regular routine where these internationals are. You see the difference? It's not the, it's not the internationals going to the place as a regular routine, it's you going to the same place as a regular routine. Frequent the same barber shop or the same hair salon. Uh, go through the same checkout line where the same person's on the, on the cash register that, that maybe be a foreign national, uh, get them to know you and recognize you. Uh, patronize the same restaurant, perhaps with some of the other members of the church, a Mexican restaurant, Chinese restaurants, et cetera. There are a lot of those around. And uh, last Sunday, we were at Plaza Azteca, one of our favorite Mexican restaurants. And uh, we met up with Mark and Pam uh, Bailey there. And I didn't know this, but they're, they're regular, uh, they're, they regularly gorge themselves. I mean, they regularly eat there. <laughs> and I didn't know that. And they know everybody in that restaurant. And uh, Elva goes there a lot. And uh, have become acquainted with, with some of those Mexicans there that work with them. Well, you know, uh, on purpose go there. They have good food too. If you like Mexican food, it's good. 
This place next door is, is pretty good also. We've gone there a couple of times, but, but uh, the people at Plaza Azteca, they'll give you a good meal. Uh, they'll be kind to you. They'll also give you a check. <laughs> and, uh, but get acquainted with them. I don't speak Spanish. Well, most of them speak English. So, you know, that's, that language is not necessarily a barrier. But get acquainted with, you, with them, you know, and, and, and maybe you'll have an opportunity. We try when we go, we, we leave a gospel track on the table. But get to the place where you don't just leave a track, but you have an opportunity to speak to them a little bit. And eventually you might have an opportunity to give them the gospel. Yes, Elva. they are clannish. And, and you'll find that in America. You'll find that foreigners, they get in groups, generally speaking, and they're clannish. But we can penet penetrate those groups and, uh, and maybe have an opportunity to single out one or two of them, you know, and just befriend them and, and give us wonderful opportunities to tell them about Christ, tell them about our relationship with the Lord and what God has done for each of us. Okay, good. Okay. Um, and then um, letter B here, get others from church involved over time. And we're going to talk more about that as this lesson uh, grows. Letter C, allow time in your schedule to meet and to get to know internationals. This is something, this is something that you have to make time for. It doesn't just happen. You've got to set, set aside some time to do this. And so allow that in your schedule. And then letter D, and we'll stop here, it's noon right now. Letter D, do not expect every initiated relationship to turn into a deep evangelistic opportunity. It's not gonna happen every time, but a lot of these initiated opportunities will turn into an evangelistic opportunity. And I have no, and I think I left this in your notes. And I think this is an important point. People are not projects, and they should not be viewed as projects. Now, this is a little hard to separate this in our, in our minds somewhat, because we've been talking about maybe zeroing, zeroing in on some individuals. But don't look at them as a project. Look, them, look at them as a creation of God that God loves. God made them, God loves them, we should love them, and we should treat them like individuals, just like God would, instead of a project, okay? Father, thank you so much for this opportunity to talk about this, and I pray, Lord, that we will make this a part of our life as church members, as Christians, as believers in Christ, 
And then as a church body, I pray, God, that we can reach out right here at home to help fulfill the Great Commission. And from here, Lord, some of these people that we can reach perhaps from other countries will go back to those countries with the gospel of Jesus Christ, and they'll become evangelists in their own countries. And so help us with this, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you have questions about your relationship with God, or you would like to know more about the ministry of Good News Baptist Church, please visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org or call us at 757-488-3241. We encourage you to share this message with others. We trust your heart was challenged as you listened, and God's Word has had an impact on your life, as together we strive to show forth the path of life. Press on.